0: chapter tactics this is your warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game oh my gosh i almost messed up my own intro that would have been terrible but what won't be terrible is this amazing episode we have lined up for all of you first we're going to be talking about our ninth edition lists uh, that's right i've got my three amazing guests which i who i will Introduce in a moment, but we're going to be talking about our ninth edition list, and then we're going to be talking about them from the perspective of if we were going to a tournament next week. So we're going to talk about what we like about the lists, maybe some things that we can change at the last minute, uh, how our lists square up to the rest of the meta, and what we're kind of looking for, uh, what matchups are worried about, etc., etc. So we're commemorating the upcoming 40k ITC season. that's going to happen as things slowly start to open back up. Uh, With a full-on kind of tactics meta episode. Should be a lot of fun. I am very excited. Before we get to the episode, let's introduce these guests. First, I have the Astra Militarum Imperial Guard Extraordinaire Player, Mr. Brandon Grant.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And then I have the Orc Extraordinaire Master Player, Mr. Ben Jerk. Wah, Pablo. Wah. And then I've got... Some guy who should probably be a lot better than he actually is, but he swears he's going to play a ninth edition game that is Peter the Falcon. I mean, it's accurate. And then, of course, myself with Necrons. Uh, That's right, we're going to be talking about Necrons, Orcs, not Guard, but actually Sisters of Battle. I'm sorry for all of you awesome Guard players out there hoping for some Brandon Grant Guard info. Although, Brandon, I'm sure you've got some Guard tidbits for the listeners, right?
1: There's been some thoughts rolling around in my head that might end up in my Facebook forum, we'll see.
2: And then
0: Peter, what are you going to be
2: playing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like I'm kind of torn. I've been playing a lot of games with Deathwatch recently, um but uh I do have a custodies list I'm extraordinarily comfortable with. So we'll talk about one or the other cuz I'm happy with both in the current meta. So
0: Right on. Perfect. And if you think I sound a little different, uh, that's because I'm re- I'm going to be recording out of the new at-home recording studio I just set up 40 minutes before the cast started. That's right. I put foam up on the walls haphazardly. I mounted a mic on an arm that doesn't seem to be working. So I'm using my uh, recording headset, which actually is surprisingly sounds pretty good. Uh, and then I've also... Picked Steve Joel's brain uh, from 40K Game Changers, which it was uh, Steve Joel is an amazing professional. He's a professional radio host. So he's got the voice and the knowledge to sound amazing. So I picked his brain before the podcast to talk about or just just to kind of figure out how to get a good setup going. So I'm doing my best, but next week I should actually have a full on recording setup. Hopefully, I'll sound just slightly better, uh, but with an audio mixer so that I can control my guests' audio and uh, hopefully fix any audio issues that we have for the foreseeable future forever. And then, on top of that, because I've got a studio set up, got a green screen behind me, I'm gonna have a red eyed crocodile skink in the corner with a fogger and a mister. And have a camera on him set up. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, uh, but all that's going to be—I'm going be, to be start. I'm going to start Twitch streaming. So I'm going to start streaming, so you'll be able to watch Chapter Tactics record live, in addition to hopefully some video game streaming as well. I am very excited. But before we get to all of that and the rest of the episode, we have to talk about our sponsor. That's right. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lone Star Open from Frontline Gaming. The Lone Star's opening is happening in July in the great state of Texas. The tickets for the Atlantic City Open sold very fast, so if you plan on attending this big event coming up, it's already going to be a super major. It's going to be a three-day event, just like Las Vegas Open, and Atlantic City Open, which means six rounds breaking into a top eight. Actually, you know what? Don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's that's a uh, official stance yet. I know Reese mentioned that on signals um, that it would happen, it'd go to that, but. Either they way... Did, uh, yeah.
2: They did change it in... Uh, okay, BCP they officially changed. So, okay, yeah. perfect. Perfect.
0: Uh, I w- as The last time I'd heard about it, it was th- those were the talks, um, and it seemed like that was very much inevitable. But, yeah, so you don't want to miss that. Linux, the open tickets sold very fast. They sold in less than a week, uh, so you don't want to miss that as well. And also, just at this point, you should just subscribe to the Frontline Gaming Network and subscribe to the FrontlineGaming.org newsletter. Uh, we're going to start rolling out events at least once a month by the en- by this time next year, and so you don't want to miss any of those because they're going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's jump into it. So, I'm going to start with uh, myself really quick, and then we're going to go ahead and just roundtable talk about our lists. Uh, and so, basically, I-, I have a Necron list that I've been working on, and the idea behind this Necron list is that it is just 40 warriors, the Silent King... Uh, a Satan, because I I, don't, I use the Void Dragon, although I think just having any of the Satan is good. I, I feel like if you're a Necron player, I feel like one of them is an auto-include. Which one depends entirely, I think, on preference at this point, because um, they all kind of roughly fulfill the same task. Uh, and then I've got three big units of Scarabs and Illuminor's Luminor's Ceres to help buff the Warriors a little. Uh, and that is it. I'm actually un- almost undefeated with it. I am... Uh, seven and one total in games. Uh, and the one game I did lose, I lost to a player who was kind of new to ninth edition um, and he had a really nasty Necron list uh, and it was a very close game. It was a low scoring close like 64 to 58 or something was that final score. Um, so it's a very solid list. Uh, and essentially what I'm trying to do with this list is I'm trying to play the objective game. It's not very killy. I have just enough killing to kill the silent King or to kill with the silent king and the satans just enough to kind of bully a specific objective or zone and then i just kind of take two objectives in the game and then hope i can outscore my opponents once with hold more primaries for 15 points and if i do that i win um so it, it's a very safe simple game plan it's very boring um but it's hyper effective so guys what do you guys think about that kind of play style with lists um and then also like for necrons uh are they are they slowly starting to fall out of favor? Uh, I know Dark Eldar uh, are coming in hot, and there's no signs of stopping with the on the Codex
2: power creep train.
0: What do you guys think about that?
2: Well, Necrons have definitely fallen out of favor, like relatively quickly. Basically, right after Dark Angels and Death Guard came out, we saw them go from an extremely popular army um, to I'm not going to say falling off the face of the earth because that hasn't quite happened, but they they their representation dropped. Quite dramatically right away, but they're still performing. It's just like overall not so well. They're low mid forty percent win rates in terms of uh, play at a, like a GT level. Um, but there are like their T whip is very good because in most events you're seeing this like one or two players with some kind of skew um, that are at least getting to that four uh, zero. Even this last weekend Ratcon, the Australian uh, almost eighty person major. Um, happened, and Adam Napier came in second. He went 5-0 with a a very similar Necron list to your own, except he's dropped the Silent King for um, just like a series of uh, Chronomancers. So he's running three Chronomancers, a Technomancer, uh, 60 Warriors, 24 Scarabs, and a Reanimator. That's his list, and it's very much a I'm going to push forward into the middle of the board um, right away, and I'm not going to move and I'm going to beat a lot of my opponents by just drowning them in bodies and holding objectives. So it definitely works. We're also seeing a number of Catan lists doing very well, double and triple Catan, because there's certain armies just can't handle it. I like what you're trying to do. I think it's it's definitely got merit.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. I
0: actually really like. If I, I don't know about sixty warriors quite yet. Um, but d- definitely dropping a big body like a Silent King or a Satan from your list and just adding a little bit of utility and more bodies is if you've got like an Adam Napier style or my style list um is will absolutely pay dividends there there have been times when i've wished i've had you know like five extra warriors somewhere or you know just some more bodies or just you know an invuln save so i definitely see dropping the silent catan for, or the the silent king um or the satan the silent satan for more bodies but uh brandon and Ben, what do you guys think about Necrons, um, just from your list's perspective, uh, sisters and orcs?
1: So first of all, that much obsec that's resilient is actually very relevant in Ninth, because it, you're putting your opponents on the clock. You're saying, unless you can remove my models from the board, I'm going to win. And Necrons are very good at not having their models be removed from the board, so I think it's a wonderful list concept. As far as
3: the orcs would view it, um, this is all all theory because I've actually yet to play a game against ne- uh, ninth necrons. But um, I'm I'm in favor of things that kind of want to advance and get out on objectives early because uh, big groups of orc boys flip those objectives relatively well, um, especially when you know they can't get shot at if you're able to at least get multiple try points or whichever. Um, and then I also play the game of, you know, I have, I'm i playing a very large centerpiece model because my goal this year is to bring a custom Stampa to a, uh, a podium finish at a GT. So the idea there is that big model is just outclasses everybody, else, everybody else's centerpiece models. So usually it wins those uh, matchups.
0: And yeah, that's actually a really interesting point too. When we get to the patron questions, there's a really good question that kind of touches on this topic a little but the idea of uh people moving to mass obsec hordes or you know playing with these elite units um is definitely where everything is trending with the exception of some space marine lists and some like some you know outliers like harlequins aren't very they're just very shooty and you know redundant and amazing so obviously there's some exceptions to it and then also uh there's dark elder lists coming around the corner that that have they look like they have everything, <laughs> like uh, durability, speed, firepower, obsec. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But other than that, the meta does seem to trend towards you know big hordy models with a centerpiece or a couple of elite units or centerpiece models and like light obsec MSU. Yeah, I'm one
1: comment I want to oh, go ahead.
3: No, go ahead. Uh, one comment I want to make there is you're going to see a generality of people choosing armies with really good secondary objectives built on their codex. Uh, Looking at you, Dark Angels. It just because you get that auto-scoring. This this edition's very, very much mission-based. The list you've listed uh, plays the mission very well. You're going to see the far more mission-based lists doing better than you are going to see just like pure raw power lists, with the exception of current things that are broken, like the Jukari Succubus that has a chain flail and stupid.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it definitely looks like people are playing towards two objectives, and also their secondary objectives, uh, the ones that favor them, out of their faction. So, like Dark Angels are probably the best example. Um, I've, I've I've had the chance of watching a few Dark Angels games now, both live and also uh, in person, and it, they look Dark Angels players. Y'all are a great group of guys and gals. Um, but your army right now is very easy to play. It's, it's very, you basically just sit terminators on two objectives and you just score like 80 points. And then from there, you, there's a little bit of zoning and maneuvering and stuff, but that's basically it right now. Am I wrong?
2: I don't think you're, you're necessarily a hundred percent wrong, but I also think that's probably the, the list that's the easiest to beat. Once you've played it enough, I've played that list into that list now a lot. I played Danny McDevitt three or four times into that kind of a list, although he's mixed and matched up quite a bit, and he's doing very well with it. I've played into other variations, uh, too, with um, my custodies and my Death Watch. My Death Watch, you just get trans- trounced by it because they don't really have an answer to that big block, and they're not fast enough to ignore it, um, which is some changes I'm trying to make to that list to make that work, but I think what we're going to see, especially with Drukari being so fast and and just so capable of taking a punch, is Dark Angels needing to move towards more Ravenwing units to be successful, mm-hmm. um, because they're almost as broken. Um, that uh, that secondary for the like move twelve inches and and live your best life uh, and score fifteen is just too easy to accomplish because there's you can just pretend you move fifteen inches, you don't twelve inches, you don't actually have to. Things like that. It, like You can just be like, I did a wheelie for 12 inches uh, in the circle, so give me my three points, bitches. So that's something we, that that's that's a kind of a bigger concern to me. But still, yeah. Um, it is definitely a very interesting thing that's happening in the game right now. And I forget what the next thing I was going to say, but I really like your list, Pablo. I think I would love to play my Death Watch into it just to, to get a feel. Uh, Necrons are an army I haven't played yet with it. But I'm definitely teching to try and deal with large blobs of stupid resilient units right now. So
0: do do Deathwatch still have that stratagem that that messes with mayor animation roles? Yeah, yes, it's
2: uh, it's like the it's it definitely it uh, you subtract one from your animation protocols if I yeah, that's, spend a that's CP really good. Uh, when I shoot a unit.
0: <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm reanimating so. on sixes and warriors. That's yeah, pretty strong. But um, but yeah, I I, I love that. Um, I, I like that I have. A, a list that that feels very relevant for the for the future um as i think as long as i can put up you know 80 plus points a game consistently i think i've got a good shot uh the only thing i'm worried about is really is is like chaos space marines getting a buff like noise marines or or things that can kill a warrior blob in one round of shooting which mm-hmm. is actually really rare you, you get a lot of people online who who can kind of like Talk the talk and say like, "Oh yeah, my forty stormbolter shots can kill warriors with AP one and full rerolls, no big deal." But, but not really. Like it's it's a, in perfect conditions and vacuum, sure. However, noise marines are the exception to that. I've seen you know oh, as yeah. few as like six noise marines just pick up a block yeah. of warriors like they're nothing.
2: If, if only they could kill a space marine, right? Like that's that's yeah, really yeah. the problem with them.
0: Uh, go ahead, Brandon. I know you've been wanting to say something.
1: No, warrior blobs are a good DPS test, but damage one weapons that ignore cover and have all of the rerolls and shoot twice will remove warriors no problem.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, with like at least AP1. Absolutely. They mm-hmm. they will. Um But alright, uh so I think I think that's enough for Necrons. Bas- basically that's what I'm really worried about. I feel like the list can play into anything. I also like, like fringe lists like orc massive orc boys and big if your obsec bodies Are better than my obsec bodies. Um, that'll give me some trouble too. Uh but overall warriors with Goss Reapers can kill most things in the game or put wounds on anything in the game. It's just Necrons are really solid. They're like I think they'll be perpetually, you know, B tier, B plus tier. Uh, for pretty much all ninth edition.
2: Yeah, it's hard to say. I like. There's a lot of of talk about how they're already falling out. Uh, Goonhammer recently did their article where they kind of dropped them down and said that they're suffering from first codex uh, blues. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of really good Necron players that are kind of down on them right now because they feel like um, as codexes come out, they'll end up becoming like a, a one list wonder, similar to how they were in eight. Mm. But I really think that there's something there we're not seeing yet. Because there are still people that are fully capable of winning with Necrons and with not just like one particular list. Um there was another list uh last week or the week before that went undefeated that was just like pure vehicle spam. Um, no objective secured. It was just um like catacomb command barge and annihilation barges and doomsday arcs. And it did, it it did work too. So like, I really do think there is something with Necrons. They might need a slight tweak up as the, the uh, edition progresses. And I think, like, overall they will be bad, but people will figure them out. Like, there will be probably two lists that'll just be very strong all the time.
0: Yeah, that's probably fair. But anyways, enough about Necrons, the Robot Boys. Uh, let's go ahead and switch over to the Imperium. Uh, and let's hear uh, Brandon. Let's talk about you and your sister's list. So, what
1: are you running? So, first of all, I haven't gotten the most experience, and I'm not going, you know, 100% win rate right with this. No seven and one for me just yet. But um, there's a few things I've been learning with sisters. But let's just dive into the list first, and then we'll start breaking it down. So, I'm taking with the latest iteration. Uh, a Battalion and a Patrol both are Bloody Rose uh, for the plus one attack on the charge, AP improvement to pistols and melee weapons of one. Uh, I've got a Cannoness as my Warlord in the Battalion, and she's got the Righteous Rage Warlord trait and the Chainsword Relic Beneficence and a No-Rod. Righteous Rage is she can reroll charges and she rerolls to Wound in the first round of combat. And the chainsword gives her something like eight or nine attacks at strength five, AP three, two damage. So that is a lot of damage coming out of that character, which is great. I've also got uh, two times two death cult assassins to pick up, engage on all fronts, or hold home objectives if you don't have indirect fire. I've got the Triumph of Saint Catherine, and I'll come back to why it's one. What is it? One tenth of my army is the Triumph. Got three battle sister squads naked with simulacrums as soon as i convert them up and a magifier with the warlord trait of indomitable belief for a command point a preacher nine repentia eight repentia five repentia and 10 zephyrm i didn't put a pennant on them this time so just straight 10 zephyrm uh three mortifiers and then two retributor squads of three meltas five Retributors, and a Simulacrum with a Retributor Superior. The Retributor Superior, nope, didn't do that. So yep, just two squads of three Meltas on squads of five. And then I've got uh, three Rhinos. And then in the patrol, I've got another Cannonus, and I spent a command point to give her um, the Wrath of the Emperor Bolt Pistol Relic, which is Basically, an, a four-shot pistol with 18-inch range, strength 5, AP 3, because she's Bloody Rose and 2 damage. Um, and she's also got a strength 5, AP 4, D3 damage power sword, which is great. Another battle sister squad, of course, naked. Five Zephyrim. A single Gemini Superior runs out the list. So the Gemini Superior is the bodyguard for Celestine. So there's a lot of shenanigans in this list to get into. First of all, the Retributors both have double Armory and Sherubs, so they can double-tap a Melta twice per game, which is really great. The Retributors are really flexible because I can start them in a Rhino. I can start them in separate Rhinos. I can start them off the table and outflank them for a command point because they're only seven power level. And um, because the... Our uh, Death Cult Assassins are only one power level. I can outflank them very cheaply as well without paying more. And if there's... uh, uh, So, I I like the Retributors. I would have taken a third squad, but I have so many Repentia, I'm like, I don't really need that many Retributors. But if we go back, the Triumph of St. Catherine is kind of the core of the list. First of all, it's an 18-wound character that still benefits from obscuring terrain because they're actually just infantry-sized models in a parade. But it has so many special abilities, and the core special abilities are it gives you two extra Miracle Dice a turn, and it can modify uh, Miracle Dice up or down by one whenever you use it for a unit within six inches of the Triumph, and every unit standing near the Triumph can do an additional Miracle per turn on top of a Simulacrum. So if you have a squad standing next to the Triumph of St. Catherine with, say, a 4-plus invulnerable save, I'm looking at you, Zephyrim, standing near my Magifier with the aura of plus 1 to your invul, I can spend uh, two Miracles on that squad to pass saves. Or if I have the Retributors standing next to them, say, with a 2-plus armor save standing in cover, I can pass their armor save three times in a turn or three times in a phase, with Miracle Dice, adding one to the Miracle Dice. So it gets really stupid uh, when you have, for example, a Rhino standing next to the Triumph, and you're like, oh, I hit you with uh, two Meltas. And I'm like, okay, I spend two fives, and you do no damage. So yeah, generating lots of Miracle Dice is kind of the core of the list, using those Miracle Dice for making automatic charges, for keeping Rhinos alive for stupid firepower, for doing 6 flat damage with your melt gun before the plus 2 damage bonus. It all gets really stupid really fast. And the Triumph itself is no slouch. It's minus 1 to hit 18 wounds with a 4-up and vulnerable save. But the core of the list is really annoying MSU to deal with. I have a lot of really small units, like the Death Cult Assassins and the Gemini Superior, that I can cover the board with. And in the case of the Gemini Superior, she's absolutely stupid for 18 points for all the utility you can get out of a character that moves 12 inches and gives you a miracle die when she dies like for example if you have a squad of battle sisters out of line of sight because there's an objective next to line of sight blocking terrain but not you know the objective isn't hidden you can put the gemini superior on the objective the battle sisters within three inches and then other units closer to the enemy that are out of like you can't target the Gemini Superia because the battle sisters are standing there. So you can hold objectives that are in the open using character shenanigans with her. And if she dies, whatever, she's 18 points and I get a miracle die because you killed her. Thanks. Otherwise, the whole list is built around trading up, so to say, because sisters are really good at trading up. So for example, the 90.5 Zephyrim squad that I took, they can go up in the sky land next to your five-man Primaris Marine Squad, and assuming you're not going to Osvex scan them, because I'm not going to give you a good Osvex scan. Let's go with that. Uh, Miracle dice their charge, because why not? I have the Triumph of St. Catherine. I have so many Miracle dice. So I automatically make my charge onto you, and then spend a command point for plus one to wound, and those five Zephyrim with the Passion will basically wipe out a Primaris Marine Squad on their own. So... Uh
0: When you say primary Marine Squad, you mean ten men? Five men. Okay.
1: So which they is can, actually still pretty important. They can do five little girls, can do <laughs> ten wounds pretty reliably to Space Marines if you spend the Miracle on Command Dice, which is just annoying for your opponent to deal with because now they're like, well, now I have to throw something at these five sisters that are sitting on my home objective that I didn't really expect to do that. So the whole list is I hit extremely hard with cheap MSU units and try and trade up so it's like yeah i'm gonna throw my 90 point unit and i'm gonna take out your 150 point unit and then you're gonna still have to respond after i've punched you and then the rhinos are actually excellent in the list for um i've referred to it as superposition which is a physics term where the units inside them aren't on the table they're not in a fixed position they exist everywhere inside of the rhino simultaneously So Mm -hmm. if you have a Melta (laughs) sitting on the table, I can move six inches and shoot you. If I'm inside of the Rhino, I am everywhere inside of the Rhino at once until I disembark nine inches away from it and shoot you. So it makes it much easier for me to have the Rhino out of line of sight and then scoot a Retributor Squad to the side, see a molecule of your vehicle, and blow it off the table. So you have to move very carefully while I have Rhinos and reserved Retributors. Um, And then... uh, Everyone knows what Repent should do by now.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: It's like, Uh. the list is just threat, overload, MSU, board control, Miracle Dice shenanigans. It's just so multi-threat. My biggest disadvantage right now is playing it quickly, because it's like a horde of guardsmen, except that everything has special abilities I'm not as used to, because I haven't been playing them for 15 years. So, it's really fun. It hits really hard. If you're a big brain player you can do a lot of shenanigans with it and really my only concerns right now are again playing quickly and I have no experience whatsoever with Drakari I need to at least find someone on TTS I can play because by the sound of it I think they have all the tools they need to defeat this list so I need to make adjustments to take that into account like the Wrath of the Emperor Bolt Pistol relic edition for example Seems super good into Jukari because it's strength 5, so it wounds Venoms on 4s. They have to use their invul save, and it's flat 2 damage. That was an addition where I'm like, oh, that seems good against Drukhari, but I'm like, what else do I need to know? So, really, the only thing this list is missing that I see a lot of other armies have is an ability to make enemies fight last. And it doesn't have a reliable way to get through Overwatch, except by just throwing stuff into you first that you have to overwatch that you don't want to, like rhinos or the Gemini mm-hmm. Superior. Which to be fair
0: is totally viable. <laughs> but I've definitely thrown many a rhino to eat an yeah. overwatch.
2: But Yeah, really I think the only concern there is gonna be, you know, like the always fight first for, always fight last shenanigans, which, you know, we're seeing a lot more with drukari Um yeah, always fight last by, is but...
1: murdered a bloody rose, because they're made of tissue paper.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I really love this list Brandon. Um I ever since I watched sisters play at the the Las Vegas Open, I have loved the idea of this um you know, pairing down for units or trading down for units to get an end game that benefits you. So in chess you do that a lot, right? So there's like there's a saying in chess that's that when you get any advantage even if it's small, you trade and simplify meaning that when you have, if you're up a bishop, or even if you're up in, in some Grandmaster games, up just one pawn, you start trading pieces, and you get to an end game where there's only three or four pawns left, which means that your one extra pawn holds a lot more value than than it did at the beginning of the game because there's not a lot of pieces left. Mm-hmm. I saw Repentia do that. I saw people oversimplify uh, at the Las Vegas Open as well, and there was also another game, I think, I think it was a Colin Sherman game. I think it was for Charity Hammer. Where uh, he played, or someone played Sisters, and they had a unit of Repentia in the Rhinos, and they didn't actually shoot them out like a Repentia seeker missile until he killed like half of his opponent's army on the turn four. And then when he shot them out, they basically just traded one for one with his last Vanguard veteran squad. And then all of a sudden, all that was left was just like Rhinos and OBSEC bodies for the Sisters. And things that couldn't kill that for White Scars. and It was it was brilliant. I was like, oh, okay, he just simplified the game. Uh But I love that. I, I love that concept. I love sisters already look amazing. Uh And a lot of... They look like they have a lot of strategic value. That's all I wanted to say about that. It, it looks like a really good list.
1: And yeah, figuring out that you can fling battle sisters with Miracle Dice onto enemy objectives to deny them because they're obsec. And because they have a simulacrum if you need to use Miracle Dice later in the phase, you still can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Yeah, that's pretty good, because if your rhino is fifteen inches away from the edge of contesting the enemy objective and they don't have Obsec on it, then uh, guess what? They're not holding it.
3: It's a lot of flipping and then you have to kill them, otherwise you're gonna gain points on, on their command phase. That that's just annoying.
2: Yep, and as Pablo said, they they almost always either trade up or make a trade of equivalency. It's it's just what's been so good about them. They are very hard to play very well, um, like Brandon said, like a lot of big brain stuff going on. The most fun games for me to watch are um, like really good Sisters of Battle players, because um, I you have to pay attention. It's not something where um, you can always telegraph everything they're going to do because of those Miracle Dice. You have to keep those into consideration. What are they going to generate? How does that change the rest of that turn for them? And yeah, the, these uh, these Miracle Dice uh, manipulative armies um, like uh, using St. Catherine or using um, Evan Chalice and, a, and like or, oh, yeah. or is it Ebon Chalice or OML? Ebon
1: Chalice is totally viable because it's the order that modifies two Miracle Dice of any guy yes. into a six. Yeah. So seeing some oh, people wow.
2: at, like tossing those into like tossing a, a small like patrol into like a Bloody Rose list for that. Also doing very well I think a lot of people have just kind of gone down to, I'm just going to play Bloody Rose and add St. Catherine in, and that's uh, the most efficiency I'm go- I I need. But yeah, they're such a devastating army. I think one of the interesting things we're seeing um, of late with them is what they're now starting to lose to as more people pick them up. Uh, because there were, for a long time, it was a very elite army that didn't see a lot of play as people kind of tried to hobby into them. Um, but as it became very clear, they were probably the best army in the game, or one of, for a long time there. They've grown in popularity. They're about seven eight percent of the meta now, and we're starting to see like if you don't have that, uh, those reps in, what you're losing to, and it's it's Necrons and it's um, it's it looks like Necrons and and Harlequins are are big bads for them. I would think Death Guard of, would be. Death, Death
1: so Guard have all the tools they need to wreck abilities that. Um... Sisters of Battle typically bring.
2: Yep the 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 one thing you'll see with Death Card is um a lot of their lists unless like if they go Pox Walker spam they're fine if they don't um they tend to lose out on the obsec. so it depends on which kind of list you're going into if you because you can out obsec them otherwise and, but,
1: yeah Harlequins would be a concern because they have all invols and Bloody Rose is uh my AP is better and they're just like I yeah. don't care.
2: So it's it's just very interesting to me to see how how like sisters are evolving to match that, um, and like like they're still performing so well, even with you know the new big bad showing up. We're still seeing lots of foreign ones out of uh, sisters, and we just have to see like how people change. I know people are talking about adding uh, seraphim back into lists with hand flamers as like an option to to trade oh, with drukari easier. Absolutely,
1: so. that is a wonderful choice because the one CP ability to shoot with them twice as they come in from reserve. You can have a hand flamer unit of Seraphim just clean up Jukari, and that is a wonderful adjustment um, if you have 100 points floating around in your list to go, oh, Jukari are good? Throw a five Seraphim, double hand flamer, call it a day.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's really cool to see how, like, things are evolving with these lists. I love the list, Brandon.
3: I, I absolutely am terrified of that in Brandon's hands. Maybe not in any other player's hands, but that he's not going to be the one that, like, forgets about you know, the double miracle dice and all the other shenanigans. And there's a lot of, you know, you you have to, you are forced to trade down. You're talking about trading down earlier. There's a lot of situations in that, in that list with the way you play against it where you're forced to trade down, where you're forced to have to deal with a naked sister squad versus one piece of the threat overload, where you're forced to have to shoot that stupid little character um, that gives him a miracle dice when you kill it. When you could be doing something else, and or it's, best it's part, a lot of damned if you do, damned if you don't.
1: If you're just trying to shoot the Gemini Superior off of my objective, I can spend two command dice and a single miracle die and bring her back to life at the end of the phase. Yeah. Yep. yeah that's
3: a gotcha moment that will just Jeez. crush a soul. Like it's oh not my even.
0: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't gotten over the fact that you could just bank a ten, just make a ten inch charge. I'm still not over that, you're just,
2: dude. Dude, like oh.
0: I, I won a game um, at an RTT uh, two weeks ago, and I made an eleven-inch charge with a satan, a void dragon satan, into a knight questoris, and put twenty-two wounds on it. And sisters can just summon, do that. They still have to roll the miracle dice, but they can just do that. Yeah, yeah do, just do not let them swing it. first. No, no. Uh, but yeah, what what are some lists that kind of worry you, Brandon, other than uh, I guess Harlequins and Necrons are kind of known as Sisters Killers?
1: Uh, one thing this list doesn't do very well is the secondaries. It does it about as well as everyone who's not Dark Angels or Space Marines. <laughs> so when you're looking at secondaries for the list, Engage on All Fronts or Domination are pretty much always taken. Uh, scramblers is very attractive, but if that doesn't work, Banners also is attractive. And then Oddly enough, even though this is an MSU-style list, sometimes grind them down is actually the right call because a lot of the units in this list I can just keep in my deployment zone to zone you out and you'll never actually contact them. So that can work. But while we stand, we fight is risky. Like the most expensive units are actually not that hard to kill. So the mortifiers, for example, are made of paper. Uh, the Triumph of St. Catherine tends to get in danger, and I can't resurrect it. It's a special character. And then one of the Retributor squads? Sure, why not? But, yeah, usually you're looking at the mission secondary, and that's fickle. So when when you're selecting that third secondary, that's where the list can start falling down versus certain armies that just give up nothing. And then another problem would be if I'm facing an opponent who has super reliable secondaries, and... I don't. So at that point, if it's an even game, they win. So I have to be much more aggressive in order to take them out. And then finally, any army that has strike last auras that are huge is a problem because I have to play far more cagey around that aura. It's basically uh, my retributors and mortifiers are really the only thing that can participate in that section of the board with their shooting. And everything else is playing keep away with the aura of well, you better not go here or I murder you. Because everything in the list hits really hard, but also is like T3 and a handful of wounds.
3: Ooh, that's messy. Drukari have like three built-in fight lasts.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I
2: believe Slanesh too. Well, Slanesh have fight first, which is has Like foul blight spawn for Death Guard, always going to be an issue because you'll have to play around that. But your Death Guard opponent also has to be very specific with with that placement. Um, So that's also... You know, something you always have to worry about. Marine fight lasts, you don't see very much anymore, so not as big a concern. Um, I do know some people looking at taking, like, uh, Draxus, um, the Inquisitor, because she has the fight last grenade um, as an option. So things like that to but always consider. But uh,
1: The Inquisitor is actually pretty hard to get into combat because she doesn't have Miracle Dice. So yeah. as an aggressive tool not useful. As a counter charge tool, useful. But not always. And one of the other ways you have to use your big brain to get around fight last is your big unit of Repentia, like let's say 9 Repentia, engages exactly one enemy model. A unit of 5 sisters engages every other model in the unit. So even though the Repentia will fight last, the squad that's swinging first is going to pick up the squad of battle sisters for free but they won't be able to pile in and swing with more than one or two models into the Repentia. So if you can do that, you can still get through it, but it's costing you the sacrificial unit to do it. But again, your opponent kind of has to commit on you in order for that to work, because with Miracle Dice, yes, my one unit can make a charge, but unless I have, like, 40 worth of charge on four dice lying around, which is not easy to do... um, it's hard to get the sacrificial squad and your hard-hitting unit into the same unit all the way across the board.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, it'd be a tough matchup into Jakari for sure because they're just like, oh, the thing you do, well, we just shut it down.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're gonna have to have a Jakari episode, or actually, what we'll probably end up doing is probably just a redo the power rankings, talk about the top factions episode. Um, but uh, I definitely am learning that we need I need to look more at the Dark Eldar Codex again. Because you guys are saying stuff that I didn't think was possible. Um, and I still hung up on the Incubi and the Witches and that yeah. 40 attack
1: Looking character. Looking at Incubi, they remind me of Repentia with an Always Strike Last aura and a 3-up armor save.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're they're nuts. They're good. <clears throat> um. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, get over to Ben. Ben, how do the orcs look? You sold me on the Big Stompa. And I feel like our listeners need to be sold as well. The Custom okay. Stompa. So
3: I'm playing a Custom Stompa list. And with the with the blessings of, uh, of Mr. Heffel- Heffelfinger, um, I'm going to try and make them podium a GT. That is, my, that is my yearly goal, aside from being one of the better orc players. But um, I'm basing a list around this big centerpiece model. So, of course, we have the Custom Stompa from Forge World. 850 point model. 40 wounds um, has an average of like 34 plus uh, strength eight or higher equivalent shots. There are some strength 12s and strength 10s in there. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the, uh, the lift to dropa actually um, wounds you based on three dice versus toughness. So it ignores all your transhuman like effects too. Um, so you have a ridiculous amount of firepower and that's just the strength eight stuff. You also have a bunch of like uh, a super gatler. Um, that's, like a strength seven one-damage gun that shoots 3d6. The, the, the data sheet on this thing is stupid. Uh, I don't really want to read all of it, but just understand this giant model um, definitely packs the firepower that's worth at 850 points. Uh, moving on from that, I'm running a core of 90 boys. Um, it's I might change this up a little bit, uh, as I might like split some of the boy groups up or include some transports or this or that. But right now, doing a core of 90 boys... Uh, three uh, three HQs, uh, one of them being the Big Mac with KFF. He hangs out near the Custom Stampa and actually repairs it, uh, along with giving it its invuln that it so uh, painfully needs. Um, a war boss with Might is Right uh, and the biggest boss to buff him fully up. And then one weird boy who takes the Warphead ability where he's going to know both the jump and the piece of resistance of the list of... Uh, of Visions in the Smoke, which is an Evil Suns uh, specific um, spell, that when you cast it, you get full rerolls uh, during your shooting phase um, on, on your to hit rolls. Uh, that applies to Titanic, but at a higher warp charge, so you have to get above a warp charge 8 to do that. Um, once that's applied, the whole gist of the list, at least with the centerpiece model, uh, is you use that spell in combination with more Daka um, and the output. Um, goes absolutely ballistic Uh, i've not played a game where i were uh, with with both those things active uh, where i didn't just pick up anything that it saw Um, it it's absolutely ridiculous now my games are more terrain based (laughs) than army based somewhat is what i'm finding Um, i've played the i've played the list about uh only about four times now and the the other pieces that rounded out are Uh, three groups of five commandos those are my action monkeys and grabbing engage in all fronts and they're absolutely fantastic at 45 points for a little squad that you know accomplishes the mission i need and they're still works they still fight and then i have a pain boy that gives those groups feel no pain the the list can be relatively defensive or incredibly offensively oppressive i said i have big shooty giant model but I also still have a lot of boys with a ridiculous amount of attacks. Everybody has choppas. Um, I'm thinking about putting in one shooter group. Uh, I have the option to reserve a group if I want to. I typically have lately because not all 90 fit under a KFF, and I can't always hide another uh, group of uh, 30 boys. And I'm misquoting. I have 29 boys in each squad because I need to cut a little bit of points. Uh, but essentially 30 boy squads. The we mentioned talking about trading down and playing uh, and making big late game plays that actually, for the most part has turned into me using green tide <laughs> in a lot of situations <laughs> uh, where just like someone's just like, okay, cool. I killed 60 boys and the stomp is nearly dead. And oh, oh, there's 30 boys. Those 30 boys close up the game. Um, so th- those have been absolutely uh, ridiculous. Uh, there's a lot of obsec with that many boys. You can kind of spread out, um, there's absolutely struggles, uh, that are mostly, um, can I see you situations. Uh, there's not a single centerpiece model that, it, that this thing is scared of. Um, it sees Magnus, it sees Morty, it just, I don't even need to paint all my guns in them. That's how stupid it is. Um, mass vehicle lists where someone brings like multiple dreads and transports and this and that three, four of those are just going to die. It is absolutely oppressive amount of shooting it's definitely not fun to play against it's cool to see the model it, i don't i don't feel happy for my opponents having to like deal with this thing
1: it definitely now feels terrain, like a boss fight though where you have it is you need I, to, i've, you need I've to played DPS against this exact list ads. if you don't get through the boys then you're not going to get to the big boss and be able to dps him down
2: so i've played against this list twice now against fal um, running essentially the same uh, list, although I believe he was playing uh, a single Def Coptas instead of Commandos. I think he had one unit of Commandos and two Def Coptas. Um, but essentially everything else is the same. And yeah, it does 100% feel like a boss fight. Like the, the whole time you're playing it, it's like, how can I hide behind this wall? How can I get over here? How can I drag those boys out so that I can get that? Basically, unless you have some way to shut off Overwatch on the stomp, but how can I get off two charges on it? um with my heavy hitter because I'm not gonna shoot it down and and win this game. And it's it has been it to me it's actually a lot of fun to try and figure like figure it out. Um because like you said, the shooting is so oppressive. But it's also orc shooting. So sometimes, um if you split too much, which Val always does, um, you can end in situations where you way overkill one unit and then pick up like one dude from another. Because that's Still a thing.
1: When you described the math, Ben, it was just like critical multiplication in my head where I'm just like, oh shit. He just turned his eight hundred and fifty point model into two thousand points of shooting from one thing mm-hmm. based on the yeah, multipliers.
3: I, I've uh, picked up well more than a thousand points in one turn before. Easily. Um
1: it's it's and the fact absolute... that you ignore transhuman is just icing on the cake.
3: Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a blast to play with. Um, rolling that many dice is a uh, is pretty fun. Because just just to kind of kick off, for the listeners that don't know, more daca causes fives and sixes to always hit and always explode, and you're rerolling all those misses. So and then those additional shots also get rerolls. Uh, so like there are many cases where I roll more hits than I rolled shots. So that that yeah, you go from hitting
1: of a... one third. Ish of the time, um, let's call it like just over a third, to hitting more than every hit. Every shot is a hit.
3: Yeah, and the big thing: a lot of these weapons say blast. So those big groups that you know would be somewhat concerning, you're suddenly dropping eight, uh, you know, a minimum eighteen shots on them from your weapons that are all exploding and all re-rolling So like you, you enjoy seeing the giant blobs of eleven plus. Because uh, you're, you like, okay, well, one or two blast guns into that, and that's just gone. The Super Gettler is kind of neat. Uh, it has a shoot again ability, um, where it specifically reads: after it shoots, you roll a d6 on a two up. It can shoot again. So you shoot with that gun last, and you might be able, to, like, you know, pick or choose around uh, with with that specific weapon, uh, but nothing else transports transport play gives this uh gives this list a little bit of trouble because like if there's something dangerous inside the transport um i have no actual way of touching them with the exception of that little gun so i kind of need to play off that a little bit outside of what you know the boys and commandos are doing the i've had it where i've had to screen out with my boys and just use my boys as a giant you know punching bag for before my stopper could be gotten to. I've also been able to be incredibly aggressive with my boys and just put the stomp in combat, because some of the some of the way this has played out is I find the one or two units in their army that can actually deal with it, and we just eliminate them. And you ask, well, how do you do that? Well, you just take the punch. There's not, I've not run into a case where someone was able to take 40 wounds off that thing in this, in a single round of combat, and you really don't care if if the thing is down to two wounds or three wounds or whichever. Does it feel invulnerable re- in melee? It does uh, not in melee okay. I
2: did um in my first game against it with Val I heroic into it with six sanguinary guard um, because he got stuck against a building and couldn't go anywhere and I did 28 wounds with them um, and then killed it in the following round um, so like you can do a lot against it but like you ha- it's hard it's so hard you have to you have to rely on terrain against it um, in a lot of matchups Um Blood angels, yeah. you know, are a bit of a bane um, because they are something that can punch up against it, but not very many other armies can.
3: Yeah, sometimes you you just run into that situation where you just take the punch where are like, okay, cool, I'm going to take 20, 30 wounds on it, and then I'm going to shoot whatever you shot at me and it's gone. So that, that's that been, been the trade.
1: Yeah, because you're shooting not... the melee with I always hit on fives.
3: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the the uh, the craziness the crazy thing that I'm that I'm running into is if somebody has like two secure objectives with like terminator blobs I can't really move them um, and if I can't see them I'm just kind of I'm stuck uh, my secondaries aren't real, as reliable as other people's secondaries as we've mentioned we've talked about grind them down's a really common one outside of uh, also engaging all fronts and deploy spanners are kind of the go-to just with how commandos and being able to spread out with that army goes. Uh, so secondaries are usually pretty easy but if somebody has better secondaries by slightly those points add up pretty quick Uh, and accomplishing hold more you can get flipped on relatively easily especially if they're able to move mass groups of boys with ease because that's the only other thing that i have going um i the biggest consideration i'm doing right now is cutting a little bit uh to make room for a transport um so i can have that like little bit of Peeling the onion effect, where I can just send a truck out with ten boys in it, but cool, um, you have to deal with that. That's going to score me points, and it also pulls off a little bit of firepower from the from the Stampa because um, you know it's not invincible, but it can absolutely take a punch um, and become incredibly annoying. the uh, The other like little cute things about the list um, is there's always the war boss. He's always still scary, still does six gigantic attacks, um, still does everything that he's supposed to do and jets across the board, just as, you know just as fast as any other uh, scary HQ. So he'll he punches up and he's always in an 85 point missile that you can trade. And then things I'm having issues with uh, would be um, the weird boy blowing its head up against demons uh, is a consistent problem. Because um, you need that high warp charge to accomplish what you're doing, but you also need to not roll too high, and then just have them get uh, possessed and die. That makes the game quite a bit harder. And the other lists, I would say, I don't like. The assaulty lists are harder to play against than the shooty lists because uh, I outshoot the shooty lists. So the the assaulty lists are quite a bit harder, especially if they're like durable two up saves um, that the boys can't punch through all makes sense
0: to me how is that matchup with um actually you know what i lost my train of thought
1: yeah i was just gonna (laughs) say the critical things in the matchup are keeping the boys alive so that they can't get their melee threats into that thing because if nine repentia get through it with no overwatch they're gonna do 36 wounds expected not even joking which
0: which to be (laughs) fair still doesn't kill it no it doesn't degrade. but they
1: can fight twice Oh, well,
0: no, never mind. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. yeah.
3: Against Repentia, i definitely wrap it in a blanket. You
1: gotta. You, you see. So, you, <laughs> so, the whole list is, I have a model that will murder you by itself. If you can't reach it, I win. And the list seems very well built to do that with 90 blanket boys and custom force field saves. And then you've got the war boss in there to actually go crump some heads when the two-up armor shows up. And... As long as the 2-up armor hits the boys, but not the Stompa, the Stompa will just clean up the 2-up armor, no problem. So it's like, okay, it's a boss fight. If you can clear the adds and get to the boss, you win. If you can't, well, then the orcs win. So really the only thing I have as a question for Ben is, is there anything you can do to improve the mobility of the Stompa? Because for one, it's a huge model, so it might not fit through all the pieces of terrain gaps in the table. Number one, number two, there's not any like spells or abilities that can improve how fast that thing runs across the board or how it sees over terrain. Like I know gray knights have the, I just shoot through walls, but I'm pretty sure you can't do that on the the stomp. There's,
3: there's, there's no, there's no shooting through stuff other than going up and, you know, touching the terrain and be like, okay, cool, I could ignore this piece of obscuring, but what about the other three pieces? The, it does have a 3d6 charge, uh, through a stratagem if I wanted to. That deals some mortals when it hits. It sucks in melee because I don't give it a melee weapon. So if you if you put it in a melee, it does not kick back at
2: all. No, it has been... The, like what, eight attacks with no AP? Not even.
3: It's like five or six with no AP. Um, and it does have the ability to step over stuff when it falls. And it does have the night ability of, you know, it can, you know, back up and shoot and all that or such. So it if it... It can, like, step over things and do whatnot, but it is challenged by its size as much as the size is also kind of a benefit to it because this thing is wider than most pieces of obscuring terrain, so you don't need to be, like, do I zig or do I zag? You're like, okay, I see over both sides of the obscuring terrain. That's fine. Uh, so you, it's not. It's so goddamn wide. The other problem is it can also get pinned um, with its weapons being blast and such. It can't exactly shoot itself out of uh, situations as easy as you want it to. You know, it can still hit you with a good chunk of its weapons, but usually, if you're wrapped up in combat, you're losing the game, um, and you want to try to avoid that. Thankfully, you have that ninety, you know, boy blanket that you can play with, uh, and the boys have a decent amount of mobility too. Like the boys get stuck in against two-up armor, and they're just going to bounce off, and like the Ural tri-pointed used to jump the boys out, and then suddenly those two-up armor guys are sitting there with, you know, in the with their uh, stuff in the wind, and they just get shot.
1: So. Now we're talking. The jumping the boys <laughs> out of trouble. Or even just green-tiding them out of trouble is a nice way to open up whatever unit was the troublemaker for the big boss to show up and kindly remove them from the table. So, yeah, so the, like the jumpsuit the the mobility tool—it definitely wins games. Do do you can't you also put orcs inside of it?
3: Not with the belly gun.
0: Ah, okay. And you, you want say... the belly gun yeah yeah okay (laughs) Uh, i was gonna say because if if you put orcs inside of it all of a sudden it becomes really good at objective control yeah but just
3: just since i I said i wouldn't read it but just to go over just this thing's stupid data sheet (laughs) okay you have a belly gun which is 3d6 shots strength 8 neg 2 flat 2 blast you have three big shooters which are assault 3 uh strength 5 no ap so you have nine shots of that Um, You have the Def Cannon, which is, I'm taking the big cannon arm, which is 3d6 shots, uh, strength 10, neg4, d6, blast. You have Gaze of Mork, which is an 18-inch gun, um, heavy 3, strength 12, neg4, flat 6. Um, You have the the custom stopper rockets, which are 100-inch range, heavy d6, uh, strength 8, neg3, d6, blast. Um, you have, it has one little tiny Scorcha, uh, that is Salt 6, Strength 5, Neg 1. Um, you have the lift Dropper, which is 4d3 shots with Neg 4 AP and then d3 plus 3. And that's the one that rolls three dice against their toughness. So good. And then you have the Super gatler which is, uh, 48 inches, uh, heavy 3d6, Strength 7, Neg 2, 1 damage. And that's the one that commonly shoots twice i've actually shot with it three times because if you roll a five up on the next dice it shoots again and i really needed it to take an objective later in the game and i was like well screw it one third chance and i got the shoot again i was able to shoot someone off on objective so that has come in clutch it's happened
0: yeah that's nasty um that sounds like a very good list uh i feel like you're going to take a lot of people off guard with a list like that because although you know i know a lot of you are probably thinking like oh yeah well my my Eradicators can one shot the Stompa, and like this, that's true. In a vacuum, you can definitely deal with the Stompa. the The thing is, just like with dealing with Warrior blobs, uh, you're never going to get the perfect, you know, outflank at range to kill the Stompa with a good reroll and all the characters in there giving you the buffs. Like it's that rarely happens in a game with a competent player. Uh, more than likely than not, you're going to get zoned out by the orcs, and you're either going to have two, so one of two scenarios. You're going to have to pick up random little orc units a- a- and models scattered throughout the board on one or two or three objectives with the Stompa, or you're going to get the Stompa super, super low, and you're going to have to have a hard decision on turn four, whether if you want to kill the Stompa because next turn it's still got full power, uh, or you, do you want to try and score the objective game. Like It's you know, it's a very good list it, on paper.
3: Yep. yep. It's it it's not perfect. I don't expect to win a GT with it per se. I expect like it may be an X one and a smaller one, which is what I'm hoping to squeeze in there. But it needs to see the podium. It deserves it. <laughs> I I, w- I would like to be the one that pilots it there. I know the other orc players uh, are looking at it too. So you know, there I, I wish I wish them well. We all have very similar lists because you can't change too much um, between you know having a custom stampa and the little bit of support it needs than anything else. But I I love it. It's, there are some missions where you can sit on an objective and see two objectives pretty plainly and those those are the super easy missions to win and there are others where you're just like well, I actually have to like do things and figure out where I'm going with this. What are some matchups you're worried about? Uh, White Scars are scary. Blood Angels are scary. Uh, I, I don't enjoy the idea of of a I guess it's not really list dependent. It's more just what what's hiding behind the terrain I can't see. You know, I'm not afraid of a 20 terminator list if I can ever get sight on the terminators. So it's it's way more just like map into versus list dependent than is specifically what army am I facing. But the 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 super fast stuff that my boys don't do well against that can actually get through to the boss um, or are just going to be super durable, and I can't possibly get rid of all of them. Like mass transports is causing issues for me because you know they're going to sc- outscore me three turns out of five, uh, and I I could never beat them all off in a significant amount of time. So it those can be difficult. So though it's more of a style list in specific factions.
0: Okay, uh, <clears throat> uh that makes sense. Uh, I was just thinking about like Blood Angels and Wightsters getting in your face kind of just putting pressure on you, keeping you in your deployment zone. Um, Although I still think you could just leave combat and shoot them all.
2: It's hard. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I've played into it twice now against Val. There is, like, usually one sphincter-tightening turn where you can't hide everything. Um, And then it's like, how much is he going to kill? Is it enough? Um, And then after that, it's, 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 it's go time. Like I said my first game against him I had really good uh, terrain in my deployment zone I managed to hide most of my army he had basically half of a turn to shoot into me um, and then he kind of got stuck into some terrain and I was able to heroic into him with some sanguinary guard um, take out most of the the stampa and then on my turn kill it before it could really do he could he could uh, fight back I had another game where um, once again terrain was an issue but this time it was where Val deployed it he really he like he deployed it and i said are you sure you want to go there and he was like yeah and then as we started playing he was like oh i really shouldn't have deployed it here cuz um he was very limited on where it could go so it let me get better lines on him than he could get on me um he still had a turn where his gaze of Mork um on its three shots uh, put out six wounds and wiped out like an attack bike squad um and then in that same turn he killed one of my units of inceptors with with his um a dropper um, but it just wasn't enough because I was still able to get everything into his into his boys and chain them out so he couldn't get his kill saws into me, and then uh, you know, and then the sanguinary guard do what they do. But it's still like it's it's such a hard army because like if that if the stompa goes off, which it often will, um, it just takes out so much. I, I don't imagine what I would have been able to do if if I'd had less terrain on the board at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like Ben said, it, it is very terrain dependent. Um, and you know, like I that, said, like it feels a like us. a
1: boss fight. It sounds like a super yep. cool <laughs> army to play against.
2: Yeah, it it it, it does feel like really fun because you're you're spending so much time on angles, and it's le- it's not about ranges because basically it can sh- everything can shoot the whole board, other than the gaze of Morgue. So it's like, how do I get a like, how do I keep him from being able to kill three quarters of my army? Don't stand in two. the fire. Yeah. It's it's great. I love it.
0: All right. Speaking of great things that you love, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about your ninth edition list that you chose to talk about?
2: So I'm going to talk about... Like, I have a Cusodes list I really like, but whatever. If you look at John Lennon's list that he's running like over on the Art of War right now for their little tournament, it's very similar to that, so... Mm-hmm. People, if you're curious, it's Telemans and Galatis and some Scions. It's super fun. Um, but I have been really trying very hard for the last couple months to make Death Watch work because it's very hard to do. People are really struggling with them. Um, we've seen a couple people get to like 4.1, um, but most people are going like 0.5 because they have so many options. It's, it's You can get bogged down in them. So I've been running iteration on iteration of lists. Um, and this is where I'm at right now and i really like where it is i think it has really good play into a lot of armies um but it's still it's it does struggle into like sister's of battle um is something i'm finding so the list is um deathwatch battalion it's got a watchmaster with uh warlord with a paragon of the chapter um for the adept of the codex uh adept of the codex so he gets um, cp regen cuz uh, Deathwatch use CP like crazy and the Tome of Ectoclades, which um, is super clutch. Once per game, I can pick a data sheet and every core unit within six inches of my watchmaster gets full rerolls to wound um, against that data sheet. Um, so if you're running uh, a bunch of Raiders or Orc boys or Necron warriors or anything, really, I can say like that thing, I want to be able to kill as much of it as I can this turn. Um I'm running a Primaris Tech Marine now. It used to be a Chief Librarian because the Death Watch um, Librarius is amazing. But I wanted to go somewhere a little different with this list. The Tech Marine has a Hero of the Chapter for Rights of War. I've got two Proteus Kill Teams. Um, they're Hold five. On. Death. Real
0: quick, Peter. Yeah. What does the Primaris Tech Marine do? You see the plus one hit for vehicles? Okay, I'll wait. Plus I'll one wait. to hit okay. for vehicles, all right. all and I right. can I'll repair wait. vehicles,
2: because you have to wait until okay. hear the rest of the list. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, Proteus kill team with uh, five Death Watch veterans with uh, combi flamers and storm shields, and then four Vanguard vets with lightning claws, storm shield, one Astartes uh, biker with a chainsword. Um, so this unit is often combat squatted um, so that I can... Uh, put the combi flamers into uh, reserve or on objective. And then I have the Vanguard vets and bike have a n- cool f- 14 inch move. Um, you don't have to do that in, in lists where I feel like I'm going to get shot up too quickly um, or I have a hard time hiding. I can run the whole unit as a squad of, uh, of 10 and even with those six inch boys, you can um, deploy them like an accordion and, and bunch them together and you still get that 14 inch movement for uh, one to two turns. Um, just because you can you spread them out as you go. Um, so I've got two squads of that. I've got a spectra skill team that's five incursors and five infiltrators. Um, this is basically just to get me two infiltrator squads for, for the cheap. Um, I always combat squad them, put two infiltrators and three incursors in one unit, three infiltrators and two incursors in the other. I still get that big 12-inch bubble, um, but it, it basically shaves off about 15 points. I've got a company champion um, that's got the chapter champion upgrade, and uh, most importantly, the Dominus Aegis. Um, it's a Death Watch relic that gives me a five up feel no pain, a five up invulnerable bubble um, with for all core within six inches. Um, Primary apothecary with chief apothecary and selfless healer. And um, this is why I have the Techmarine. This is also why I'm running the company champion with Dominus Aegis. I have two Redemptor Dreadnoughts um, with Plasma Incinerators and Onslaught Gatling Cannons, and a Relic Contemptor with a Cyclone Missile Launcher and Twin Vulkite Culverin. Um, The big thing here, the turn that I pop uh, Tome of Ectoclades, I need to get the most work out of it I can. Um, When I was playing games into Dark Angels, especially with a big ten-man brick, um, with my previous iterations of the list, I was almost always like three damage off. I would get to a turn where I would go all in. Uh, my Vanguard Vets would hammer into the unit. Um, everything else would go in. I'd pop Ectoclades and I'd kill like eight Terminators and there'd be two left. They'd start to res. I'd be in bad shape. Um, this Vulkite Dreadnought in particular with Tome... Um, 16 shots, strength 6, AP nil, 2 damage flat, but um, they do mortals on 6s to wound. So I can fish for mortals on this with the Tome activated, and I have had this pop off multiple times for me for 6 or 7 mortals um, quite easily. Um, and then to round it off, I have 5 Inceptors uh, of the Plasma variety. So this list is very shooty, but it does pack a punch in the back. Uh, the big thing here, the five-up invuln on these redemptors, and being able to to heat to res them, give them a two-plus armor. Um, it's giving me a lot of threat that my opponents have to deal with. I was thinking a lot about drukari, how I'm going to handle certain things in that uh, army, and uh, being able to ignore lightning fast because of the tech marine and the deathwatch stratagem, where I can. Um, ignore any penalties to hit against any Eldar unit. Um these all come in super handy for me. As we get more Xenos in the in the um in the in the air, I really like where Death Watch is. They also have really good secondaries, particularly if Xenos exist. Um, because purge uh purge the Xenos, you get one victory point for every Xenos unit you kill in the game. Um you easily get 12 to 15 points just by existing. Um, if you're not up against Xenos, there is the, um, oh, what's it called? The uh, Vigilance, Long Vigil, I believe it is, which is as long as no enemy unit is within six inches of your deployment zone, um, you score four victory points. Five victory points at the end of a round, so you can like really, um, if you're going up against a slow army like Dark Angels, if they're not running a bunch of Raven Wing, or you can deal with the Raven Wing right away, um, you can easily rack up points with that as well. That's so. also a really good one if you
0: if you're going second too. Yeah, uh, obviously you can't decide. You decide, you know, before you say you know if you're going first or second. Uh, but you know, if you go second, and you pick that one. You're in a really good position to do well.
2: Yeah. So I really like this list. I've tried a lot of variations. I've tried a big blob of... um, um, uh, I've tried a big blob of an endometer squad, like the the full uh, Gravis squad um, with the Dominus Aegis and giving it the 5-up Feel No Pain from the Chief Librarian. Um, That feels good until the the turn you get denied on your 5-up Feel No Pain or you fail the cast, and then it just feels real bad because your opponent takes advantage because you can't really hide... 10 Gravis boys, and they just die. Um, I was trying uh, Stalker Bolt Rifle Intercessors. That felt okay, but there were a lot of games where you just didn't do what you wanted. Um, the reason why you would take that is there's the 2CP, um, give all your guys um, special issue ammunition if they have bolters, so you're making those Stalker Bolt Rifles damage three. Um, it was cute. The problem I've, I've found as I've been like iterating Death Watch lists is there's so much cute stuff that when you actually think about it compared to another army, like they just do it better. So why try? Why not take the best efficiencies you can?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really like the list. I I think it's more than just cute. I think it's got some really cool little tricks. Um, what uh, I do see you having a harder time against, um, like sisters.
2: Sisters is a problem because they punch <laughs> up. They punch up real bad. Yes. Um, so, it's something I have been thinking of. I'm hoping people just stop playing them even with a new codex coming out. If you guys could just all <laughs> have stop. Have you
1: seen their models? They're too beautiful. Yeah, stop I know.
2: Playing. Uh, hey, Brandon, <laughs> give, me, <laughs> well,
1: give me something. Could they, be
3: a, could they possibly be a spoiler to the new Menace of Drakari that's coming around the corner?
1: Uh, that's something I'm hoping. Probably. I hope so. Death Watch is actually perfectly statted to deal with them.
2: And this is why I also like the Dreadnoughts the damage reduction. Is super great. Um and that Tome of Ectoclade's turn right now with a lot of Drukari players playing a ton of raiders. If you get a turn where you can get into those raiders with your shooting, you'll pick up all of them. Or you'll pick up a good number. Um if you can pop tome and you have the redemptors and the um Contemptor with line of sight on anything. Um
0: what is the Dark Eldar stratagem for Death Watch? The it's the Eldar.
2: ignore um Ignore uh, to hit modifiers for a turn oh that's pretty good that's against a unit now you have to pop it before they pop lightning fast reflexes unfortunately but that's why kind of why I also like the tech marine so I can give one of my redemptors or the contemptor plus one to hit and then I say where the other redemptor I'm going to ignore the hit modifier um, and this way like I'm essentially. All only ever going to be hitting on threes against them. I don't have to worry about going up to fours. That's kind of the big thing there.
0: Yeah, I really like it a lot. Um, there's not much. There's not much. I guess. I guess. Basically, um, how many games have you played with it? I guess other than this play, particular
2: Val? version, I haven't played Val. This particular version, I've played uh, twice. I've won one, lost one. The loss, I was real dumb. As I was getting a little tired. I've played other iterations five or six times and gotten my ass beat as I tried different stupid things that just didn't work. Um, this one has felt the best so far. Um, it just felt really good. I'm sure people will come up with other ways you can try, but, like, trying the Indometer squads, trying uh, Intercessor squads, things like that, just didn't feel as good as this does. Oh. Go
3: ahead, Ben. Uh I was going to say, I'm like, where, where, what are you the most comfortable with? Where are the matchups are just like cool, easy win. Well, nothing's
0: easy, but what, where, where do you feel most comfortable with them?
2: Um, I am fine into regular Joe Blow Marines. Um, I've had no problem with them. Dark Angels. Um, this list I've t- I haven't played against Dark Angels yet, but like the previous iterations, like I said, I was always just a few wounds off what I needed to do in order to feel like I had a, a game. Um so I feel a lot better into them with this. Um, basically any Xenos, I had a real bad game against Seth Oster's buggy list, um, that, um, just his, his, um, kill tanks went absolutely, uh, or not kill tank cannon wagons went absolutely mental and rolled 10 or higher for three full rounds on all their shots. Um, so that didn't feel good, but, um, like anytime I play any Xenos right now, I'm my I'm maxing my secondaries or coming very close. So most Xenos armies, I don't feel anything bad about. Regular Marines, I'm feeling great into. Uh, Dark Angels, I have some concerns. Blood Angels, if if I if I make a positioning mistake, the thing about Blood Angels is I is you can generally telegraph everything they're going to do. Um, so that has made it easier into them. White Scars. They're faster than me, so if they choose to play the objective and, instead of trying to fight me, um, they are a concern. Like Because they are faster and have more movement shenanigans than I do. I have to pay way more CP than they do to do most of my tricks.
0: So on paper, I would imagine your Harlequin matchup is okay. How is it? How do you think it is? I
2: think it's great. Um, I've got a lot of AP nil shooting be- between the combi flamers and the bolt guns. Um, I've got a lot of invul saves. I do have to play a lot more carefully with my dreadnoughts if they have their um, uh, skyweavers in play, which they almost always are going to. I have to kind of take into the take the fact that I'm probably losing one of those redemptors, turn one or turn two um, into account when I'm playing, but I'm okay with it because the veterans um, all will always punch up in that matchup. As, uh, i found between the, the two-up armor, the four-up bone on everything I'm running, um, and, you know, flamers, bolt guns that I can either give plus one to wound or um, extended range.
0: Yeah. Um, I always really like playing Harlequins. Um, I, I know they're a very tough matchup, but when you've got certain vehicles, uh, you can really kind of like hamstring where their Skyweavers are going. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if you keep your vehicles all the way in the back, and you measure so that if they want to shoot your vehicles, they're going to have to be Within charging distance of your veterans or or whatever um, that might kill them, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of force Harlequins to trade. Either you force them either to take the trade or you force them to play defensively. And either way, I think that's win win. Um, but I think you can do that as well with Harlequins against in your Harlequins matchup.
2: Yep, you can drag them out. That's uh, against yep. um, you know a medium or lower player, it'll work. Um, higher end players will just wait for you because you do have to leave if you're zone eventually. But still, like it's, I feel really good with the list. I want to get a bunch more reps in. I want to get a bunch more ninth in in general. But I really like it. I like that Custodes list I kind of mentioned as well. Um, but Deathwatch are where I'm at because I feel it's a really strong challenge um, to to play them well and to do well with them.
0: All right, uh, that is it for the main topic of the episode. Actually, for the episode itself. Um, listeners let us know if you have any ninth edition lists that you would like to try out what list would you run if you have found out you are going to a 40k tournament tomorrow uh of course I'll post those lists in the comments below i'd love to read what you all are planning on running uh, i am so excited to get back into ninth edition games and of course let's go ahead and jump into the patron questions uh for those of you who are new every week at uh, At the end of the episode, we like to open the floor to the patrons who get to ask us questions and we answer live on the air. If you'd like to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Patrons get to ask us questions, get access to the patron communities, and so much more. All right, let's jump into those patron questions. First question comes from uh, Facebook, who decided to put me back at the home. uh, Oh, from uh, Ben. Um, oh, and this question, actually a ge- uh, <laughs> this question is actually a. This question is actually specifically um, to Ben Jerk from Ben Jerk. Mm. Uh, how many games of a unit not performing to expectation do you need before cutting it? And I'm joking, by the way. This is Ben's question that he put in put in the comments before he realized he was coming on the episode.
1: I think that's fair. Um, it depends on how the unit's not cutting it. Is my answer like if mm-hmm. it's just getting outclassed in every way, then Maybe once.
2: Yep. That, yeah. uh, Sometimes it's once. Sometimes it's like six games or eight games. It really depends on, on like what you're trying to do with that unit. And, and like you're, like, sometimes you're just not going to get the chance in a game to really flesh out exactly what, like, what you wanted it to do. Um, sometimes you have to consider dice. Like, um, you might have a squad that's like, this unit should kill. X thing every time I play it, and then you have a bad game with it, like, try it again, make sure, like, it's not it wasn't just, you know, bad dice causing the issue. Maybe you're just you know, you yourself were bad at math and didn't realize the probabilities that you're going to have to deal with. Um, like I have definitely had units that I've put into a list, played once, and just be like, I will never run this ever again in my life. This is garbage. I'm going to melt it down and turn it into a cup. And then I've had other units that (laughs) it's taken me, like, like a year of like before I finally said, you know what, this wasn't for me. Why did I do this so long?
0: Yeah, yeah I think but, okay.
3: Go ahead,
2: Ben. Uh,
0: when
3: I when I consider this, I consider roles of the unit. Um like for example, you know, I have commandos in there, but other people want to run Stormboys in that position. Other people want to run DevCops. How you know, how many games do I give the commandos before I switch it up or or whichever is kind of like my thought process and consideration here or if the thing doesn't have another substitute for that role then you're kind of you don't really have another choice so there's there's more variables that come into play but i want i want to change something up after like a solid bad rtt so three games
0: yeah there so i i think it really depends on the list and the unit and the person but there is a pitfall here that i want you all to be aware of and that's Generally, I think the most common answer to this question is going to be zero to few or never. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of times the the units that we're looking at, the thinking about cutting, also tend to be like pet units or units that don't quite fit the, the perfect mold that you're looking for. They're not quite the most competitive. What is that noise?
2: Oh, hold on. Oh, no. The aliens have come. And they're super polite and sound like stewardesses.
1: We'll just edit them out and post Skynet's online.
0: Sorry about that. That was the uh, Alexa device um, getting a call from my uh, mother trying to call my daughter downstairs. Uh, Yeah, she she picked up the call, so we're good. But I completely forgot I plugged in the Alexa device. Um, She just looked at me. She heard me say the name. Uh anyway <laughs> anyways um yeah so i think there's a pitfall here with um with uh pet units right mm-hmm. so um i've definitely i know cyclops my 9th edition cyclops 8th edition cyclops is stuck around for way too long uh gw basically had to nerf them into the ground before i finally decided i wasn't going to run them anymore um so it, you know i think with this kind of question is you always want to have like a core part of your list that, that defines your list. And then with your flex pieces, just always be, always be willing to evaluate them. Like for me right now, my Necron list, it's the void dragon. The void dragon has had some, there are, there are times when I'm like, okay, I think I need to cut the void dragon. I think I need more bodies, another warrior squad. And then the satan void dragon just has like an amazing game where he just wins me the game. And I'm like, oh, Oh, maybe I'll keep him in. And he just makes it harder and harder to cut. Um, I need to look past that and I need to realize that the Void Dragon has very specific matchups where he does well. But there are other units that I can bring to the table that will also have very specific matchups that will also do well in those matchups. And I need to decide what the cost benefit is of taking him out versus running those units uh, in, in accordance to the meta, right? So d- don't be afraid to to relook at the drawing board after every tournament or after every few games uh, and look at uh, a unit and put it on the chopping block again. You can very quickly become the Canoptic Spider guy or the Cyclops Demolition guy. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, five games into a Death Watch list and you're like, oh, I really love my Primaris Tech Marine.
2: So so here's, <laughs> okay, well, first off, that's a tech piece that works. <laughs> but in, in making this list, a perfect example is uh, Assault Centurions. I was very high on them in Death Watch. I know I wasn't the only one um, for a number of reasons. They're probably one of the few armies that probably can still run them to some degree. And I have five that I beautifully painted and converted out of ambots that I really want to be able to use. But the thing I found was, every time I played them, um, the games where they did what they were supposed to, mathematically they shouldn't have. It was always... Okay, I have a Beacon Angelus. It's just for these Assault Centurions because they're slow as shit. But in a in a bad situation, I'm going to teleport them to my Librarian. I'm going to pop a 5-plus feeling No Pain on them. I'm going to spend 2 CP to make them Blood Angels. And then I'm going to make an 8-inch charge and win the game. And it did work. I had 100% games where that combo played out. But that is a crazy combo that nobody should expect to, tr- to get off every game, right? Like, dumb. Don't think that way. But I loved my Assault Centurions, and I was like, they're a beautiful thing. I can spend a CP and give them a Hurricane Bolter with um, Special Issue ammunition, which sounds silly, but it doesn't do anything against Marines. Like, there's a lot. Uh, so so it's, it's like Pablo said, there are pet units that you just have to be able to dump. You have to say, like, why am I spending 275 points on this when I can spend it on something so much better?
1: See, I feel like too many people aren't really understanding 40k. Everything is expendable. Nobody is special. There's no unit (laughs) that you absolutely have to bring. It's like some may question my right to destroy a world of 10 billion souls, but those who truly understand realize I have no right to let them live.
0: Mm. Uh The the Bill Belichick of the Imperium. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Moving on to the next patron question. Um, This one comes from... Patron, oh my gosh, okay. A uh, patron, Kelsey. Uh, when building a list, do you try to make it a perfect two thousand points? If you don't, what's the largest points gap you're willing to allow? Uh, for me, it's whatever the the lowest cost unit is. That's the points gap. I'm okay with not upgrading certain things.
1: Uh yeah, whatever the lowest cost upgrade is, toss it in the list. So if you're three points under and there's a three point weapon upgrade and it's actually better than the other weapon, take it.
3: There's with with some exception, uh yeah, I'd be definitely on that train. Um power weapons on uh on big orc boy squads though take priority over, you know, an additional boy. So the other thing you can Cut always the boy, do is give the kill just
1: have weird size units where you're like, I'm gonna swap this five point model for an eight point model somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then when you start, when you go about like trimming the fat, that's, that's also where the, that's where you go. So you just go right back to, you kind of like bank the extra points into shitty upgrades for the future when you want to change the list. And then, you know, the first thing you do is you get all those shitty upgrades back. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're working with 30 more points than you originally had. Um, uh, all right. Uh, next question comes from patron Nathan. Uh, I'm really excited to break out some Drukari stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. Uh, I've got a good group of people working competitively, competitive play, but I'm wondering what the best approach is for everyone to improve. Right now we're just playing multiple full game reps. Um, that is a really good question. Uh,
1: I'd say try and figure out what lists you understand the least and find someone to play against who's running it, who's competent. And especially if you're doing it outside of a tournament, talk through a lot of it ahead of time, just like casually like, hey, can you explain your list to me and vice versa? And then when you get to the table, play just the first hour and then take a break, look at the table and go, "Okay, who's going to win from this point? And then start over again and play from there. And that's deliberate practice. So if you practice Mm -hmm. it deliberately, as in we're both doing this to learn as much as we possibly can about this game. That's probably the best way to at least get started learning as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's probably the the best way to go about it right now. Um, One other thing I'd like to add to that is just when everything is safe uh, in your area and you're vaccinated and you're good to go to tournaments, going to tournaments with friends is by far the best way to get, to get everyone better. Right? It's not just going to the tournament because you're going to learn a lot. Playing five tournament games is the equivalent of playing like 100 casual games. Like it's, You'll learn so much going to a tournament than you will just playing your buddies uh, casually. However, uh, the lead up to the tournament and usually the decompression afterwards and the talk afterwards is, is so important. Right, that's why I think these guys who go and gals who go to multiple tournaments uh and do well consistently that's why they keep doing well because they keep getting that experience and they, they meet all these different people and they play these different metas and they they get a lot of reps in uh, just at the tournament so uh yep I I would also do that when everything is good to go uh all right uh the next question comes from Question Matt and Brandon. Yes, this is actually a question. Which is better, lasagnas or enchiladas?
1: It's a question, but it's intended to cause controversy without providing any benefit whatsoever. It's only
0: controversial if you don't recognize the enchilada as the pinnacle of starch-based cheesy food.
3: I mean, if I had to choose right now, I'd ask for an enchilada. Mm -hmm. But tomorrow, I'll probably ask for a lasagna. But right Mm -hmm. now, enchiladas.
2: Inchiladas. Yeah, if
1: I'm in Southern California, that's gonna be a, the better choice. But if I'm,
2: I do, I do like an enchilada better. But there is something about a good lasagna that, like, you you'll are. sleep, you'll sleep so well. You just have like, to like get if you get the have the a good lasagna. lasagna,
1: though, the real stuff.
2: Yeah, like my my grandmother, um, Italian family. So like when we hammered down a nice like ricotta mixed with some cream cheese and that thing, like you slept for like a week, but you felt so good. Anyway.
3: You gain like 10 pounds, but it's fine too. No, 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 yeah.
2: not when you're Canadian
1: and you're dealing with the temperatures they're dealing with. I'm from Yeah, Minnesota. they're literally it's freezing the light.
0: pounds off. Is <laughs> uh, oh, oh, anyways, um, <clears throat> next question comes from patron Matt. Uh, to improve, is it better to play one army lots or lots of different armies? This is actually a question we get a lot, and usually the answer is the
1: same. I mean, it's nice to play a lot of different armies, as in to practice, but you need to have one main army if you're going to get extremely good at it, because you need to be able to, if, if you're going to win an event, you need to go to that table and do something ridiculously special with that army that people wouldn't think of and no one else would be able to understand, but you understand because you've played it enough where you're like, yes, if I use these units and these abilities in this combo, I can pull this off and no one will see it coming.
2: Not just that, but, like, the more you play an army, the more comfortable you're going to get into every possible scenario, right? It's what makes a chess grandmaster a chess grandmaster is that they played the game so many times that they've seen, you know, my opponent do this move, so this is what I'm going to do, because every time he does this, I do this, then he's probably going to do this. And you can get into a flow for a game. Um, And with so many rules interactions in 40k, especially when you're just starting and you're just, like, trying to become a better player, focusing on one army and, like, mastering that is kind of the key. And then once you've got that mastery, that's when you start to flex out and you say, okay, well now I'm going to play a little bit more of this army um, because they have a different play style and I want to learn them a little bit better. And like, you can succeed that way as well, but you really need that, that core to start with, to build off of.
0: Yeah. So I definitely agree. I think, I think uh, going, going uh, wide is not the right call versus going deep. However, I do really love the idea of, of, um, having a couple flex options. So what, what I mean by this is, you mentioned the Grandmaster analogy, Peter, which I think is pretty spot on. Uh, however, Grandmasters do have openings they they do try to know as many openings as possible, at least the the strike scratch the surface of openings, but they have core openings that they go back to, right? Obviously chess, you play black and white. So there, there's, you're going to have two different openings there that are like your main openings. But usually you have like a few openings in your repertoire that you just know really well. And each of them kind of revolve around the core philosophies of chess, which is D4 openings, E4 openings, uh, and then the other openings, right? The weird ones or the weird white openings um <clears throat> so what i mean translating that to 40k i think it's really important to specialize in a list or or even better a faction but having two or three factions that all play very differently and specializing in those i think is probably the most optimal way to constantly improve and make sure that you're a really good player so like the best instance of this off the top of it that i can think of uh would be brandon grant brandon plays guard really well he plays sisters now he's learning sisters and and he's basically been mastering sisters but he can always go back to guard as a fallback and then he also plays like for lack of a better word like mixed imperium right that's something that Brandon actually cut his teeth on running which is like the mixed imperium list like guard plus a castellan uh, dark angels plus space wolves plus you know whatever Um, uh, sisters are I think probably uh, sisters are probably your first pure guard army, or your first pure army. Um, uh, but uh, essentially, um, do that. So, so like me, I wanted the branch out of Necrons specifically because I was tired of running different flavors of Space Marines. Um, and I wanted something just a little different that played differently than Space Marines that I could fall back on. So, if Necrons all of a sudden fall out of vogue and get, you know kind of bad, I would I will switch immediately over to White Scars uh, or another Space Marine list if those Space Marines are kind of, like, good. Um, and then that'll be my core, right? So I'll go back and forth between them. Eventually, I want a mastery of both factions, and then I can kind of go from there. So go ahead, Ben.
3: Uh, the, the comments I really want to go into is when you go deep, the time to go wide um, comes kind of post-mastery. Uh, and the times yes. that I go wide um, are specifically with meta lists and meta things I'm expecting to see versus my friends, and they do the same for me. So, like, my LVO prep involves pulling up the boogeyman lists that we're expecting and then playing them against our the lists we expect to play at LVO. That will teach you a whole wide world of things. Uh, but master first, and master not just your army, but mechanics. If your army doesn't do the fight phase... Play something or take a minute to learn from someone who knows the fight phase well. Learn all the mechanics, get those down top. If you know the mechanics better than other players, you can outplay them in almost any army.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that that was going to be another thing I was going to suggest too was once you go deep, then you should start going wide. That's the, way, the only way you're going to improve. Okay, next question. Uh, This one comes from patron Tim. Um, How often are you building your lists in the new GW app, or are you still using Battlescribe or another method? Um, What do you all use for uh, building your lists?
1: Microsoft Excel.
2: (laughs) So every week I go into the GW app and I try to build a list, and then something doesn't work and I get really mad and I close it and then I make it in Battlescribe. This literally has been happening for months now. And uh, it really makes me sad. But one of these days, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to make the list. There won't be any errors. And I'll be so excited, you won't even know.
3: I'm cautious to use Battlescribe because I've been burned by it. But Battlescribe with an asterisk to double check your work.
2: Yeah, you always check your, your codecs and stuff to make sure you're actually putting in the right numbers. But
0: Yeah, I actually use the GW app. I, I really like the GW app because it's easier to interface on my phone. And it's already there. Um, and also, uh, it's the, the GW account linked to it is the Frontline Gaming account, uh, <clears throat> meaning I have access to all the, the codexes that we buy for the shop. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the, the company GW app. Um, <clears throat> so I use that. But I, as I found out recently, it can randomly delete your lists, uh, which I found out five minutes
2: before the event I attended started. Uh, well, it's not random. it was um, after every update it would delete the lists which they say will no longer happen after the last update
0: which well apparently the last update deleted my list because um, either way um, so the the caveat there is that's the caveat. honestly, like Brandon said, Excel just something that's written like I, I will still I still write my lists on pen and paper I use notepad, Microsoft Excel, spreadsheets, whatever. Uh, and I'm sorry, I cut out there. Everyone, I apologize. Uh, the internet blinked in and out for a split second, which meant, of course, the entire system crashed. Uh, but I am back. Uh, long story short, if you heard my if – you, if you were st- – you got the gist of my rant. Don't <laughs> – just don't trust anything except your own pen and paper and your Don't own even eyeballs. trust that. Don't even, don't trust, even that. trust that. You know what? Just don't, don't play 40K. You know, you know where this they point- don't – have they, they have them.
2: enough. They have enough disparate FAQs. Don't trust anything. <laughs> Just play chess. There's yeah. no. They haven't had an FAQ in thousands of
0: years. You oh, don't have to write true. on army nice. anyway. list. <laughs> let's move forward. Let's go. All What's right, next? Let's go. Next one. Uh, patron Jake wants to know. So, in your expert opinions, how can the Knight Castellan be used competitively? Now, I actually have a bit of a, a a rave here, but you both you all can go first.
1: So. Okay. I feel like we kind of discussed this with Ben's list already, because he's using the custom Stompa, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same idea. You want to gear up the Castellan so it just deletes everything, but of course it's not as good as the custom Stompa at deleting everything, even with all the buffs. Yep. But it's just base your army around. They're not going to be able to kill the Castellan easily turn one without overcommitting and um, the only way they're going to get to the final boss in melee is to get through the entire rest of your army. And if you do that, it's a pretty good Castellan build.
2: Yeah, I would say get a Castellan, buy um, 20-some-odd Deathcore Krieg uh, riders, a couple command squads, um, and then live your best life that way, or go with um, sisters uh, or Admech uh horsies. Get stuff that okay. can... Get stuff that can hold back your opponent long enough for the Castlin to do all its work. Um, All those things I just mentioned, don't die very quickly, um, and will give you ample time to blow things up. Um, Deathcore Krieg ponies in particular, um, if you can get your hands on them, are absolutely disgusting for their points right now. Highly recommend.
3: I was going to say the Admech builds was what comes to mind here, especially with just a bunch of the horsies they're 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 super good
2: yeah Cerberus Raiders we'll have to wait and see if the, the new ad mech book coming in like a month if that changes everything um but yeah do that there's your list yeah yeah I, um I, so the the I
0: just want to say so uh I was actually talking to a really good knight player out here his name is Adam Baker um he he's consistently vying for the number one ad make player ad, uh, Imperial Knights player in the world and we're looking at um, some of the new knight stratagems that House... Raven? the House Raven got. Mm-hmm. In um, engine War? No. No. What's it called? The, uh, the new book. Book of Rust. The book of, book Rust. of Rust. Yes. The... Yes. Um, anyways, they've they've got some really, really, really good stratagems in there. Um, a little, like, tricksy extra things. And also, they buffed the best house for the Castellan, which was House Raven. And on top of that, they gave you access to every single relevant uh, knight, what we- carapace weapon in the game. So like the you house Raven already got you know the relic, the Gatling relic well, because they have it them. But now they also have a relic Thunder Battle Cannon that they have, and they also there's a relic uh, Thermal Cannon as well that House Raven can take. So you can essentially take a House Raven list uh, where you can have relics on guns on every way, but. Uh, the Knight Castellan is so good at killing Marine-equivalent bodies right now, and there's not a lot that can kill a Forp invul 24-wound model. It's really, really, really difficult. Um, uh, they're also not 850 points like uh, someone's custom Stompa.
3: Well, I mean, the Castellan has a few more than 24, but yeah. It, they're,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, i 27 wounds. 28,
3: 28? 20,
0: 20, 28,
2: 28, 27. 27. 27. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't do it. <laughs> Just don't run a Castellan. Just don't I think, but if you I want to. I think there's to, some Do it yes. the way we said.
1: Yes. Nothing is special. Anything can be sacrificed <laughs> for victory. Don't yep. get hyper focused <laughs> on a cool model, please.
2: That's true. Uh,
0: yep. uh and then finally, Patron Joe wants to know when building lists, how do you take into account terrain? Uh do you, when you build a list you, with terrain density do you build a list with terrain density in mind? If so, how? I mean, absolutely, that's my this
3: biggest weakness, so I try to compensate for it with as much obsec bodies as possible.
0: I think so. Like, th- th- there is a thought of mind, it's very common, uh, where you build a list for the event you're going for, the tournament you're going for. And that was super com- common. The LVO in eighth edition with the magic boxes is very susceptible to that. Uh, the Adepticon, famously, um. One of the last events that they had with their old terrain uh, was Hive Tyrant dominated. Um, that was because Hive Tyrants just play, you know, played on their terrain particularly well with their missions. We
2: well, could also run nine of them. That
0: didn't. Yeah, hurt. you could also run nine of them. That is that is true. Um, Pablo. <laughs> so I think if you're going to build a list, I think that you should, if you're building a list with the intent to practice and to get really good at that faction and to just improve your 40k game, don't take terrain into account or take terrain into account if you're running very specific models that that need specific terrain. But then don't assume that you're going to get the terrain that you're that you're is ideal for those models. Uh, like Ben said, uh stompa with a lot of terrain gives him trouble, so he's building his list assuming that there's a lot of terrain to kind of compensate for that. That's okay, but um you shouldn't necessarily build it for a specific kind of terrain. The only exception to that would be when you're you know, finally, really good with this faction, and you know that you're the specific terrain setup has, or the specific event has a specific terrain setup that it advantages certain things in your army, um, then you can definitely do that. Uh, it's a bit of tryharding, but it's not something that I necessarily condone, um, because A, I've done it before, and B, it's very viable.
3: Yeah, if you know the terrain you're going into, build a table at home of very similar terrain and practice on it, and then you can make adjustments from there. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, That is it for the end of the episode. Thank you, patrons, for asking those questions. Ben, if they want to hear more from you, where can they find you?
3: They can find me on In the Finest Hour, uh, along with Sean Morgan and Shaylin Allen West.
0: All right. And Brandon, do you have any plugs you want to give out, shout out?
1: Maybe join us next week on Chapter Tactics. Ooh. That'd be fun to come back. Oh, oh,
0: and then finally, Peter, is there anything cool you're working on that you want to
2: tease for people? No. Okay. I don't tease people anymore. It's mean. <laughs> Hurts their feelings. <laughs> Fair enough, then. Do you have any I'm on plugs? The, I've got the 40K adjacent show I do every Tuesday morning with uh, Rob Simes, The Honest Wargamer, of the honest wargamer. He gets mad if you call him the honest wargamer because it's a way of life or something, I don't know. Uh and Val Heffelfinger. um we are already starting our ramp up for the return of 40K Stat Center. You can expect that sometime in the next I would say 6 to 8 weeks. Um we've got a lot of stuff in play. We're just waiting on a few things. And um yeah, I am I do have a, another project on the go that will hopefully be getting started soon. And if it works out, um, we're going to do like a test episode of it. If it works out, if we like it, um, it'll become a recurring thing as well. It is uh, super secret. I think it's going to be super fun. I've put a modicum of effort into it, which is more than I can say about a lot of the things in my life. So stay tuned. I think that was as discreet as I can be.
0: To give you a frame of reference for a modicum of effort is to Peter. He only puts a half a modicum of effort into his stats. It's true. So, so it just gives you a good frame of reference. This is going to be awesome. Um, yep. Yeah, and then I have a plug as well. Uh, stay tuned next week on chapter tactics, specifically if you're a listener, uh, keep an eye out on our YouTube, our Twitch, Uh, Our Facebook feed, if you watch Signals Live, if you're one of those people who likes doing that, stay tuned around 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. You might get to see the first ever live recorded episode of Chapter Tactics if everything goes well. So I'm excited for that. As always, thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. And have a good one. Bye-bye.